you are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach, and although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder. Welcome to the Author to Authority Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Thompson Pinder. A couple weeks ago, I made a boo-boo and had not recorded an episode for the Author to Authority Podcast, which I thought I had. In reality, I had misnumbered an episode, which caused a gap. During that process, I decided to pull a From the Vault episode with myself and my previous co-host and best friend of more than 30 years, Juanita Wooden Radko. And as I was going through some of our episodes, I realized there was such rich information in there. Information that even though it was recorded a few years ago, is still good for you now and is going to help you to move your business forward. So I decided for the rest of June... I'm going to feature some of the best of Kim and Juanita's episodes talking about all things authority, marketing, and book publishing. Come July, we will be back to our normal guest episodes three times a week. So I hope you sit back and enjoy these Kim and Juanita from the vault episodes. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. This is Kim Thompson Pinder with my wonderful co-host, the amazing RTI manager who keeps everything going. And of course, my best friend of more years than we will usually admit to, Juanita Wittenratko. Welcome, my friend. Thanks, Kim. So great to be here. <laughs> So today we're going to be talking about a topic that's near and dear to Juanita and mine's heart, and that's how to speak attractively to potential clients and customers. Now, I have a secret to share with you guys. About, I don't know, four, four and a half years ago, somewhere around there, time seems to be going by just really quickly lately. I get a phone call from a really good friend of mine, (laughs) and she's like, I've got to bring a guest out to a meeting I'm going to tonight. You're my best friend. Will you come with me? Um, well, what does the best friend say? Sure, I'll come with you. Anyway, it was Toastmasters, and I've been going ever since. And Toastmasters has been an amazing, incredible experience for both Juanita and I. So some of the training that you're going to get today and some of the discussion comes from our years of expertise in being Toastmasters. Toastmasters is fantastic. It's a phenomenal organization. And I can we put a link to toastmasters.org in the uh, show notes? That's probably a good idea. <laughs> well, and, and now that our Toastmasters Club is online, 
you can actually come and check out our Toastmasters Club for free. So I will put an email in the comments that you can email me at and I'll send you the Zoom link. Can you come check out Toastmasters and be Juanita's and mine's guest? (laughs) So first of all, you know, one of the things that, you know, I've been teaching on lately is about how your first impression counts. And I know you've got some thoughts that you can share on that topic before I get into mine. (laughs) (laughs) First impressions. Well, one of the things that we were taught when we were first learning the appropriate sales techniques with Husqvarna Viking was smile. (laughs) That's always a way to lock down any first impression is to smile, whether you're more of a closed mouth smiler and you don't want to show your teeth or whether you wanted everyone to see your molars like you and me. (laughs) Smiling is a way to connect with people. Even when you're on the phone, if you call someone and you smile, even if you don't really feel smiley in your heart of hearts, if you smile while you're talking, like I'm doing right now, you can hear a difference in my tone because the muscles of your face are also part of the vocal tone. You're changing the shape of your mask, the filter that your sound comes out of your face. And people can recognize a happy, friendly voice and they hear your smile. And I think that that's important. When you are building a business, those first impressions do count. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't get a second chance, but to be honest, sometimes that first impression sticks. So, you know, if you're trying to position yourself as that expert, that authority, you want to make sure that that first impression that someone gets out from you is good and strong and powerful. You absolutely are right. The It's like you're starting 10 steps back, so to speak. If you've made a bad first impression, you are under a great burden trying to erase that from someone's memory. That is so challenging to repair. It's not worth the risk. One other thing that I do when I'm preparing to meet someone, I often tell myself, I really like this person. or <laughs> I bet I'm going to like this person. I know it sounds a bit Mr. Rogers kind of. <laughs> I like Mr. Rogers. That, and I just watched a, a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And I feel like I want to watch, rewatch all of those shows because there's a lot of sad and grumpy stuff going on. And it'd be nice to just have some easy, enjoyable interactions and Watch people be nice to each other. So there's a lot to be said for that. Well, Mr. Rogers broke a lot of barriers. Absolutely. Things that he did on his show. Absolutely. The thought of I'm meeting a new friend puts you in a different, more hopeful mindset. And I think it makes your work as a business person, as an entrepreneur, or if we aren't having a good time, more than anything, you are working harder than anybody else I know when you're an entrepreneur. So you better like it. You better love it. (laughs) Well, I think the other thing too, when you come at it from the attitude that you're meeting a new friend, it takes the dollar signs out of your eyes. Yes. And, And some of the anxiety goes away too. 
Not that I think you and I suffer from anxiety when meeting new people, but <laughs> I know there's people that do. They get very nervous about being in, in meeting new people in that. And you and I are just like, ah, yeah, let's just have a conversation, see where it goes, right? <laughs> right, right. My husband and I were chatting last night and the joke was, how does an introvert make new friends? <laughs> And the joke is, they basically just wait until an extrovert gloms onto them and drags them along <laughs> to other social interactions. And my older daughter was like, what? And then, and Jason's like, yeah, that's pretty much how she did it. <laughs> I saw it as, a, as my mission. I was helping him. He just didn't know. <laughs> I think you and I were in the same boat. <laughs> He didn't know I was improving his life. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I remember one of the first times you met Ross and Ross was like, oh, between the two of you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of us. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things I did in my Author to Authority book, which is coming out this summer, I was working on the third last chapter today. So we're we're getting there. One of the things I talk about is your communication skills. And I think that's critically important for a good first impression is speaking well, speaking attractively, or as Juanita puts it, speaking deliciously. <laughs> I always like it when she says that. <laughs> <laughs> But it does make an impression when your vocal communication skills are strong. So in this episode, and we'll see how it goes, maybe over two episodes, we're going to talk about 10 speaking faux pas that I mentioned in my Author to Authority book. Now, if you want to find out more about the book that's coming out this summer and get on the launch list, then you want to go to www.authortoauthority.com forward slash get dash the dash book. And of course, we'll have the link in the show notes as well. So (laughs) (laughs) the first one is filler words. And one of the things that Toastmasters they do is help you speak without filler words. But the bane of our Toastmaster club is the word so. Yes. We, that is a habit that I have. I know that I did it with intention because when you own a sewing machine shop and you're a terrible punster like myself, I had people in stitches. <laughs> I would offer you were sewing all the time. Exactly. I would lead in with, the, you'll want to make a special note. So you don't break a needle. You'll do something else. So you get the best looking press when you're ironing. I know I would be doing that all the time. Now I am not a seamstress. I'm not a, an entrepreneur with a sewing machine store, but the sews keep following me so much. <laughs> there are times when so is appropriate. Of course. When I've said so much in fact, but it's often just a handy dandy filler. Another, and I like, I'm partial to ums and ahs. <laughs> I know someone who says like all the time, and I wonder where she got from, because I remember what I was like as a teenager. <laughs> so 
The reason why we use filler words is to give time between our brain and our lips to catch up with each other. We think that we have to fill the void, that silence is deadly. The truth is silence is golden. That's and silver. <laughs> <laughs> so we say things like, so like all of these words that we use to catch up, to fill in the space while we think about what we want to say next. Actually is one of those words too. Basically. Basically, yeah. Sometimes technically is one. That's when, if, if any of you out there have ever been mansplained, technically is a favorite one for guys who think that cute little women just don't know anything. <sighs> Sorry. I'm just about, I think actually sorry is kind of possibly a bit of a Canadianism that could be a filler as well. But I'm just saying. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> we get into habits. What feels comfortable. And you know what? It's not only an English language speaker's thing. Um, in you just went, ah. I did. I was, as soon as I said it, <laughs> I was thinking, dang it. <laughs> in Japanese, that filler um sound it is do. And one of my friends had a close friend who was Japanese and her go-to phrase, she'd look down think about what she had to translate. And sometimes it would be prefaced by a little do under her breath. So it's not necessarily something unique to English speakers. I turned that so into a meaningful so, but that was, a, it was this close. <laughs> the problem is it is a trained pattern. It's a habit you have learned. And it is something that you can unlearn with time. Now, I have to admit, when I was a teenager, I was experimenting with use of interesting words. I see sentence enhancers. <laughs> now, mind you, I would never ever use a single one of those at home because there was a bar of soap with my name on it. <laughs> and, and parents that would have killed me. But outside in public, hmm, things were getting interesting. And I, I remember a certain person, gee, I wonder who it was who suggested that maybe I need to get those words out of my vocabulary. I wonder who that wonderful person was. I think she's wearing my dress. I and, and I remember uh, this wonderful person told me that I had to pay her 25 cents every time she heard a word like that come out of my mouth. Well, that was the 80s. And, you know, even though it was 25 cents, that was still worth a whole lot more, probably about a dollar now. Yes, I could buy candy for 25 cents. And I often would. I would thank him. And then I would go over to the convenience store and say, look what you just bought me. Needless to say, that did not last very long because I was getting tired of paying her 25 cents. Yeah, I was getting cavities out of Kim's good fortune. <laughs> Kim's bad fortune. So when it comes to filler words, the first thing is awareness. Mm -hmm. Becoming aware that you're saying them. Then comes the hard part is stop saying them. 
And they think that's a process that takes time. I've heard one suggestion. I don't recommend it. I'm just going to tell you about it. Some people will wear an elastic band like a bracelet around their wrist. And every time they catch themselves saying that, they'll pull on the elastic and snap their wrist. No, thank you. I think that's a dumb idea. But one person said it was effective for sort of an an aversion therapy method. And I thought, that doesn't sound like any fun. I don't wish to do that. There are plenty of people in your life who will be mean to you without any provocations. So why would I be mean to myself? I'd rather I'd rather reward myself for good behavior than punish myself for bad. Absolutely. <laughs> Unless you can work it out when your friend punish, gets punished for her bad behavior, you get rewarded like I did. That's really good. <laughs> uh, I think one of the things too is accountability. Yes. One of the reasons it was. Yeah. I was accountable to you. <laughs> And so Which is character building that you had, you have great character, Kim, <laughs> you know, I'm joking a little bit with it, but at the same time, Kim kept up with it. She didn't say, take a hike, Juanita. I'm not giving you any more money and my money and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, she could have, but she didn't. I just learned to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> I may have been thinking those words, but they were not coming out of my mouth. I was not forking any more of my hard-earned money to her candy fund. <laughs> oh, dear. Kim's taking a drink of water, and I'm worried that she's going to drown herself when she starts laughing again. <laughs> but accountability can really help you with such things as verbal tics like these verbal habits. And, you know, if you've got a partner or a spouse or someone who can do it in a good-natured way or a good friend. Said nothing. Said nothing. (laughs) Except I just did. (laughs) Oh, this is one of the reasons why we've been friends for so long. If your partner is, if you're comfortable with your partner doing this for you, absolutely enlist their help. You may just find another way you can do it is to take a deep breath. Maybe not the, I'm going to kill you next. That, that's a little intimidating when you're meeting someone now. <laughs> Why is she breathing hard and has that look on her face like she might smack me? It's because I want to smack myself every time I say so unnecessarily. Or It does trade one weird tick for another more frightening tick. So that's not helpful either. (laughs) But I think the big thing is awareness and accountability, even if that's just within yourself. The next one, I think, you know, if you really want to go back and take a look at it, it's, it's something that almost everybody does. And get to the point! (laughs) She knew what I was doing. (laughs) The next point is preamble, and I'll let my good friend explain that one. (laughs) If you're like me or Kim, but me in particular, I think you'll probably be familiar with this, and I'm starting to do this a little bit, even in my explanation. We're trying to pick the absolute best way to say something, and sometimes in my head, I feel like I need to break it to people gently. 
And so there's that, or perhaps I'm just looking for a more polite way of word choice, trying to be sensitive. And I think there's still an appropriate time for that. Certainly when you're meeting people and and kind of feeling them out, that is a good thing to be aware of because sometimes we think we're meeting people as equals and they might actually be in a more elevated status than you might realize. I've met some celebrities who aren't necessarily people we should elevate, but they definitely have a different sense of, there's a power imbalance there. Let's say it like that. So that's a time when preamble might be necessary. In your writing, preamble is deadly. In uh, workplace situations, when you're talking in the office, Women often tend to do this more than men, where we say, well, what do you think if we did it this way? Or they'll coach, not coach, pardon me, they'll couch their message in a way that's conciliatory and appeasing so that they don't get perceived as a word that rhymes with itch. And that is unfair, but it's just the way it is. I think one of the things with preamble, we feel like we have to justify what we're going to say before we say it. Yes. Because we're not sure how the other person is going to react. But I think what happens is, is if we do it enough, it becomes a habit and we do it all the time. Yes. When we're writing and we say, it has come to my attention that most people believe that you really should eat grapes in the summer. When you're writing, all you need to do is get to eat grapes in the summer. <laughs> there is a way of saying things in a commanding way that we uh, can do in writing that we don't necessarily do in speech. There is that. If I just grabbed you by the collar and said, Kim, eat grapes in the summer, you'd be like, you need to get out of my face. And I'll think about when I, where and when I'm eating my grapes. Thank you. But, <laughs> but of course, in writing, you're following along a line of direction of thought. So it's more acceptable. But I think, yeah, even in established conversation in that sense, even in vocal communication, I see it a lot where people, you know, they preamble on too much before getting to the point. Most things you do not need the pre-story for. And I think that some of it comes from a lack of confidence in yourself. You feel like you have to say these things. So hopefully you won't, what you say next will be accepted. Yeah, that, that's accurate. My uh, boss was weak. You. Or that I'm you sure. don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's hard. We want to do it. I do it. Winita does it. Sometimes we look at each other. It's like, okay, can you just get to the point, please? I love you, my best friend. And she's thinking the same thing to me. She's like, I'm on a time schedule. Can you please just tell me what it is we need to do without all the preamble? (laughs) I don't want to go on too long, but it is something that you need to be aware of. Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling from when we started that we're almost at the half an hour point. So let's do one more. And then, <laughs> ironically, <laughs> guess what it is, everybody? Rambling. We go a rambling. We're a rambling. We go around and round and round and round and round and talk and talk and talk and talk. 
Which, of course, Winita and I have been known to do on this podcast from time to time. He what? <laughs> Nani? <laughs> so, whereas preamble is everything you say before you get to what you want to say, rambling is all the things that you don't need to say after you've said what you've needed to say. <laughs> When you want to position yourself as an authority, that credible expert, the rule of thumb is less is more. You don't always need to speak more to position yourself as that credible expert. If what you say is powerful, valuable, and your body language is strong, you can say a few words and have greater impact than someone who says a hundred words. Some of you might be thinking, but Kim, won't I sound like I'm being blunt if I just say, buy my stuff, buy my services? The point is, is your first conversation shouldn't be about buy my services. A first conversation should be about, I just want to get to know you without dollar signs in my eyeballs. All right. So we are kind of at the half an hour point and we could go on more, but we're going to stop it here and start episode number two. So thank you so much for listening. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode today. So this has been Juanita Wooden-Radko and Kim Thompson-Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. Don't forget to come over and check us out on Facebook. Really easy. It's called the Author to Authority group. Just type in Author to Authority in Facebook. You will find our free group where we give lots of training on authority marketing. We have a ton of fun with wordplay and puns, and it gives you an opportunity to practice and position yourself as the go-to expert in your niche. So come on over and join us. Have a great day, everyone, and we will see you on the very next episode. Bye now. Bye-bye. Thanks. You've been listening to the Author to Authority podcast. The extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. And many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time. <laughs>